0: Hello everyone. This is Tweedy Gamer and welcome to episode 4 of the Tweedy Cast, a soon-to-be weekly podcast series dedicated to the tweedy side of gaming. I'm your host Albert, and for those of you listening for the first time, I'll briefly explain what Tweedy Game is all about. So Tweedy Game is a website and YouTube channel hosted by me, Albert, aka the tattooed guy who wears tweed jackets in my videos and at gaming events. And basically, I created it in response to many gaming outlets, all feeling pretty much the same and saying the same things. Um, It's obviously a bit trickier to make gaming content that doesn't follow trends or what most popular sites do, but I don't mind because the result is something refreshingly different and distinct for me to create and hopefully for all of you to enjoy. The rest is pretty self-explanatory, so without further ado, let's begin the episode. So uh, this episode is entitled uh, Dark Souls 3, Inspiration and Inception. Um, Those of you who have been with the channel from the start would remember the three-part Bloodborne series that basically kicked off the channel. And uh, I'm very happy to report that this is the first of three uh, um, kind of analogous uh, episodes which will cover Dark Souls 3 in almost the exact same manner as Bloodborne. And just um, touching on that, I-, I need to say that with how, with the fact that Dark Souls 3 has kind of rolled in almost, uh, yeah, a handful of months after Bloodborne was just starting to kind of, you know, peter, peter off, uh, is just almost surreal. It was when I saw the announcement and I heard, you know, the no with that uh, kind of information dump that they received. I-, I, I was beside myself. I couldn't believe it. It, uh, you know. I started this channel with Bloodborne. Uh, it got me my first 60 subscribers. Uh, I'm, it's it's a very close. I'm very close to that uh, that team of people who made that um, game and and to that game itself and uh, um, and that process of having begun Tweedy Gamer with Bloodborne was is, is very like I have great already great memories of of, of putting that together and uh, I you know I had actually started getting a bit nostalgic for that time when I was you know just getting started and uh, putting together those videos which as you can see for the tweety casts I've only got about three so far on the channel but that's definitely gonna change now with this weekly format which I'm gonna be um, gunning for so yeah now um, I have been doing a few videos with Brendan of uh, um, sokeenforit.com. um those segments are probably gonna peter off now um, they were interim solutions between being able to uh, put these videos together during the iPad years as I sorry the iPad months as I call them. Um, I'm back to a laptop now and I'm back to making the content as I did before. Um, I am incredibly excited about what's paving the way essentially to 2016 which is looking to be an enormous year for gaming and um, I'll be touching on that in future videos but to stay on topic uh, the inspiration and inception of Dark Souls 3. Now, first of all, I will discuss, uh, you know, there's the inspiration of Dark Souls, you know, itself, which I'm sure you have, um, if you're listening to this channel and you've um, heard these terms, you will be familiar with Vatividya, with Dave Control, with Lobos Jr., and those excellent... Uh, content creators who cover those aspects about the earlier Dark Souls games, so I don't feel like I have to explain too much of what the earlier games are, and, and uh, you know, it's it's fairly self-explanatory. But basically, um, when I first sort of started putting together the research for this episode, the Inspiration and Inception episode, it was like a floodgate, because by the time Post Bloodborne, especially when From Software was getting more exposure, by the time um, you know on the third instalment of a series, the amount of lore, the amount of uh, forums, the amount of posts, the amount of content that's out there to look up what was the inspiration for Dark Souls, one, two, and three, was just overwhelming. So the first thing I figured I'd do, I decide is uh, decided to do is is. Um, kind of do what I did a little bit with the Bloodborne video and uh, where I talked about Hidetaka, the creator himself and what he was inspired by and his early influences and I discussed this uh, with Bloodborne uh, in terms of, you know, uh, H.P. Lovecraft and Dracula and um, I'm certain beyond anything that as when I started properly like actually focusing on Dark Souls I am certain that Dark Souls was inspired uh, by, you know, you know, in the same way that Bloodborne was inspired by, I believe there's some Castlevania there. There's some, you know, in terms of the gaming's heritage, what those inspirations are. Um, I really feel like Dark Souls is essentially an incredibly uh, cinematically presented, beautiful, uh, like drop dead gorgeous uh, version of uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. Now, m- Ghouls and Ghosts is. I'm going to show some images actually while I'm speaking. It was. It was one of the formative gaming experiences of my life. Uh, I didn't get to play it that much. And in fact, um, and this is the sign that it was one of the earliest. I have very kind of sketchy memories of it. But basically, it it has always been those words in my head. Uh, You know, we have relationships with the games that we first encountered. And those words are just comfortable and familiar words. and, And you know that they've basically held lodgings in your subconscious or in your being for many years and ghouls and ghosts is just rolls from my tongue so easily and um, and when i started seeing the parallels i had a huge forehead slap moment with uh, with dark souls and um, i mean i'll actually show a comment here you know uh, that i've screen captured of um, the first Time that I've looked up Ghouls and Ghosts in a while, and the first comment was, This game was hard as balls, and I completely agree. It was brutal, and the uh, gameplay, uh, sort of the whole game can be completed, I think, in roughly 30 minutes. But um, nevertheless, all of those elements the armor, the cape, the undead warriors shambling towards you in many ways, those were tropes of games earlier on, but something about Ghouls and Ghosts just speaks directly to. Um, Dark Souls itself and uh, you know like the reason basically why I'm not doing a Dark Souls 1 and uh, 2 three-part series leading up to this is because quite simply we are starting just like when I was posting with Bloodborne like then we were starting on the path towards the big Bloodborne reveals it's incredibly exciting to basically have almost like a, a parallel analogous experience of the Bloodborne uh, event of that IP kind of you know stretching out and becoming what it what it is now and uh, to, to be able to do the same with Dark Souls 3 um, with again within a few months of, of Dark Souls uh, sorry of uh, Bloodborne winding down is just surreal and wonderful it just feels like uh, the same feeling of you hear when your favorite band is is you know back in the studio right after having you know Finished their tour for their latest, uh, the the album that came before, and it's just exciting, you know, physically exciting. So um, I'm, I'm just sort of uh, wanting to riff with you guys about that because uh, nothing's, nothing's, nothing can be a better source of motivation and inspiration to make a video than just pure excitement. You know, I'm really not in it. Uh, I'm not into Tweety Gamer for wanting to compare myself to other channels or do better or worse than them. I don't really think about that. It's just content that I'm proud to put out and that is almost basically like my own personal chronicle of my relationship with this industry and I'm really... I honestly don't take it for granted that that you guys join me. That'll be something that I'll never lose touch with however far this channel goes. This never will get to, you know, basically reading off a script, doing all that, and, and losing losing touch. So I, to you, first 60 subscribers, and to the, hopefully, a few more that uh, will join us, uh, thank you so much. So, But um, just wanted to add that in there. Um, but basically, yeah, I mean, I, no other kinds of thoughts and uh, subject matter will get me as sentimental than thinking about my earliest gaming memories, So, but let's stick to them. Ghouls and ghosts, and um, who I—the the figure that I'm going to refer to with Dark Souls 3—and he has a name, well he or she has a name in the promotional materials, is the Red Knight. And this is confirmed on the—he's um, sort of the central figure with his cape, sort of always burning, and very kind of almost emaciated, thin-looking knight with singed armor and everything. Um, yeah he has been confirmed as as called the the Red Knight off of the Dark Souls official Twitter which I'll show a screenshot of here. Um, I'll be discussing the Red Knight in the next video in more detail but needless to say Hidetaka never names things for no reason. Um, There are countless law analysis videos that allude to Hidetaka um, purposefully naming things uh, according to what they are and I did a bit of my own dabbling into the symbology of why he named Yanam Yanam uh, you know Yanam has roots in the word for yearning and yearning for salvation and, and it's it's one of the reasons why this man and his creations give me such fuel to to want to make content around his creations because they are almost like incomplete archaeological findings. You just feel like completing the puzzle. It's, it's, it's really engaging that human quality of, of just becoming curious when you're not given the full picture. So I'm finding that very much firing up again, pun intended, firing up again with Dark Souls 3. So um, my personal connection to the inspiration that I believe, you know, nothing uh, that I can see on Google or anything in any articles is official, but that I sense inspiration wise um you know and that's for the dark Souls series at large i'm sure but uh, dark Souls 3 uh, immediately made me think of ghouls and ghosts and the i will also touch on the opportunity that after you know bloodborne being essentially my first quote-unquote souls game i had almost kept dark souls which is what Bloodborne came from uh, on the periphery it was sort of fuzzy and i I personally, and I hope I don't offend anyone, and I hope you'll understand, but I wasn't too drawn to the earlier, like, I think Dark Souls 2 was the one that pushed me away the most, it just seemed like a little bit rushed, uh, the character design and the environments, and uh, it just it just felt a bit uh, incomplete, you know, um, and again, you can do no better for a series than to have the quote-unquote worst installment be something that most outlets gave 8 out of 10 and above. That's phenomenal. It's, you know, that's that's kind of what you want for your quote-unquote worst game. Um, but, uh, you know, touching on that and the inception of Dark Souls, I'm sure, is that without a doubt Hidetaka would have been in the middle of uh, creating Dark Souls sorry, of creating uh, Bloodborne, um, which is what as has been you know uh, discussed and covered by other outlets and i think me as well i, I talked about how you know bloodborne was uh, the result of sony approaching hidataka with the idea of creating an ip and then you know he absolutely jumped at that opportunity and created something which i believe is going to become an eventual gaming classic some of what bloodborne brought to the table with lore and uh, iconography and uh, now I, I believe that the, the Bloodborne's hunter is one of the most iconic images in, uh, you know, the current generation of gaming. Personally, it's instantly recognisable. Um, that's obviously going to be for the for time, the test of time to, to prove, but that's what I believe. Um, for me, the inception of Dark Souls 3 that I've been able to read about and um, and uh, and glean and sort of again, this channel is the worthwhileness of doing what this channel does, which sometimes doesn't necessarily involve too many sources, Uh, it makes sure that I'm not talking a complete gibberish and, and just wildly speculating, but it also has the breathing room of just wanting to explore subject matter and for that reason I never feel as though just because like with now Dark Souls 3 which we don't have that much background on it too much you know there hasn't been that many interviews the worthwhileness of doing content like analyses even this early on I'm always grateful in the end for wherever I go conversationally wherever I go in these posts uh, in terms of subject matter because without having had that impetus and that that prompt from this mission I've given myself to discuss this game at the stage that it's at, I wouldn't have discovered many of the awesome and beautiful, curious things and like knowledge-enriching things that I have, and I'll be discussing a few of those in the next video, especially around the Red Knight, who I'm, I'm really. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of getting wrapped up in, you know, researching what I can about him because he's not very covered, and hopefully if uh, some of you have searched for content about him and come to this video, hopefully this will scratch that edge a little bit until uh, some more comprehensive um, and sort of features-rich content is put out. But, uh, but yeah, so I think the inception of um, Dark Souls 3 would have had to have had the fire and the success and the, the the feat of Bloodborne, uh, you know, as as one of the sources of its of its inception, because Hidetaka would have been doing Bloodborne, and just it's very clear that they're sister games. You know, there are some outlets are calling them stable mates and it's 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 absolutely something that I wouldn't put past him to be someone who in the middle of making one game is thinking about how he could apply or how he would have applied what he's learning and, and and creating and pioneering for this new game to stuff that he's done in the past it's what artists do they compare themselves with their past work and they um uh, constantly especially some of the best and most humble artists are the ones who think that they could have done better with uh, various things that they released which have you know Gone, gone on to become classics but uh Hidetaka, um I'm, I'm certain that it's in it's in his personality style to be someone who was making bloodborne and just started thinking and his 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 mind uh he would have just sort of started like s- just slowly like the embers you know like glowing hotter and hotter and then just this fire of gosh i i can i can take what i'm learning with bloodborne Uh, and apply it to a Dark Souls game, and and it's evident in the early screenshots, which I'm showing a few of here, um, just how much uh, Bloodborne has, uh, you know, given energy and given, uh, you know, thematic, some thematic uh, tinges towards um, Dark Souls, you know. I mean, with Yharnam being a place that is basically doomed, it's just... Uh, especially in the early materials it was just hey this is this city that's going to shit you know and not to say that the earliest uh, Dark Souls games weren't like that as well I mean there was this feeling of this is the world and it is dark not the world is ending you know and with Dark Souls 3 the world is most definitely ending and that is something that is being communicated in um, interviews and in promotional materials and um, also in terms of releases and uh, where Dark Souls 3 sits in this series, it has been confirmed a few times that Dark Souls will be Dark Souls 3 will be the last of this kind of brace of games, this trilogy. Um, I think it's been said that it's going to go in possibly a little bit of a different direction uh, after Dark Souls 3. Um, Initially it was reported that it did mean that it would be the last Dark Souls, but um, that was quickly were rectified and, and um, it was explained that no it's not the last one but this is going to be it's going to tie tie these three together and a little bit like I suppose the Halo games which have the Master Chief trilogy you know they um, are planning on doing more content possibly in other directions and in possibly other genres is, is what I think that I've read out there but um, but yeah so with it with um, with Hitataka kind of approaching his I, I don't know if It would have been him to approach it. Uh, I don't know if, based on the success of Bloodborne, uh, they, uh, you know, they, I mean, I'm sure that they had already been um, working on Dark Souls 3 in some incarnation right after Dark Souls 2, you know, with projections based on the success of the first one and how well the second one was going to do. It's just how teams work. But what turns a team from sort of peripherally, vaguely working on a game into something where there's active development and You know, um, active investment from the team into it. Um, What Bloodborne experiences is is totally indicative in the industry with ratings, with uh, gaming scores, with the accolades that it's been getting, and, um, you know, and actually, basically what From has been known for, which is just cold, hard, honest, brilliant gameplay, you know, no nonsense. And in fact, In my research with with From, I noticed that they're very hard to pin down with like an official website of some kind and they're just, they toil, those guys, they just, they make their content, they do what they do, they let it speak for itself, and it's so admirable, it's, Vatavidya put it quite quite eloquently when he said that these guys tell stories through mechanics, they invest in their mechanics, and that is all they're going to do you know other places they have other sorry development studios have a lot have a lot of talk to them they talk a lot of game but From Software bring a lot of game they bring it and um, it's something that I respect them enormously for and it's unfortunately it's something that they stand out a lot away from you know most people it's it's I wish that it was more common but in the very fact that From have embodied this studio which we immediately associate with quality and and like Like durableness. Talk about tweed, you know, I was putting together my uh, description for this show, uh, you know, which I'll be reading for each one and I was uh, thinking of um, uh, drawing parallels with uh, the actual material of tweed which is at once classy but also durable. It sort of fell apart and I I just ended up conceding that I just wanted the channel to be what it is and self-explanatory, but essentially there are we're referring to both, I guess, Tweedy Gamer and, uh, you know, From in the same brace. I, I I really respect content creators who just make their content and they they walk their talk, uh, what little talks they do, and, uh, and but they can be also classy about it. And there's something that I know it's a bit vague and a bit weird to refer to it, but the material of tweed, it's associated with being classy but also durable and uh, it's associated with stuff that's held in high regard, but it's also something that can go out and get shit done uh, in the country. So it's weird, I know, but it's the only term that I ended up being satisfied with, so there's a little easter egg of the inspiration of Tweety Gamers' name right there, but uh, just while we're discussing the inception of things. But basically, I... uh, this ties me into... uh, you know i I was watching dave control's um coverage of his interview with Hidetaka and um that whole event that happened I think in the Napa Valley, which was fantastic to hear about uh it it actually cemented for me just exactly where this product is at if it 's to the level where they're able to essentially hire an entire castle or part of a castle or whatever to be able to promote the game. It's it's definitely solid. There's definitely big, higher up business decisions uh, and reasoning, saying like this thing um, is going to be worth this investment. It's it's starting to be a product in its own right. It's starting to have this identity, and it's. I'm sure that Dark Souls three is much further along than we think it is. Uh, in fact, I think it's believed. I believe it's been confirmed that it was in development alongside, as in simultaneously, to Bloodborne. Um, which would have had to mean that between being the president of From Software and also directing Bloodborne, Hidetaka has also been directing um, Dark Souls 3. I believe he's co-directing it as well, to an extent. A bit like how Hajime Tabara was co-directing Final Fantasy 15 with Tetsuya Nomura, if you know about those guys. Um, But I think now obviously that Bloodborne's winding down after its DLC, Hidetaka is on this full-time Um, Some of the early buzz about Dark Souls 3 has just been so exciting and um, the early coverage by Edge with the uh, brilliant iPad issue which I really suggest that you go and check out. I'll put a link in the description to it. Uh, I'm sure you can download it even if I think it was last month's issue. It has the beautiful animated cover of the Lord of Cinder uh, slash the Red Knight kneeling down and his sort of cape eternally burning and I'm really looking forward to the next episode where we'll be talking about some of that symbology, but uh, but yeah, look, um, as well as what I was saying before about of being a very deliberate person, you know, that he makes decisions, he doesn't just name things, he doesn't just uh, do things. It's he's a very like I think that's part of the reason why he's so reclusive, is that he kind of keeps his own logic and he keeps his own. Uh, you know, decision-making to himself and I, I think that's really admirable and uh, I know that these reveals that we're hearing, I think there's, you know, Game Informer are doing their coverage this week uh, and they're gonna have obviously, I think, weekly reveals and, and I think the latest thing has been about the magic um, you know, that, that's that been something that, at me as a primarily a Bloodborne player and, and this would be, Dark Souls 3 will be, I will make it, my first Dark Souls game that I'll be playing haven't even wrapped my head around the fact that I'd be using magic, you know. I've, I'm only really familiar with the uh, visceral attacks and the everything that Bloodborne offers you, and it's a bit of a, an awkward, kind of uh, off kilter way of, of entering into the saga, or rather, you know, from software. But um, it was really, really, uh, really great to actually go back and with the research of this episode to to actually um, you know, look at how deeply ingrained this genre, particularly, you know, knights and dragons and such, it has been part of From Software's uh, you know, over since the, you know, King's King's Field, I believe, the the series was called. Um, and one of the main sources of my motivation for doing this one, the the series, you know, that is essentially gonna parallel the the first one that I did for Bloodborne is just that. This Dark Souls Three has talk about bringing game talk about stakes uh... it's it's gonna be really uh, be, I think it's gonna achieve things beyond what bloodborne did because it will have the it'll have several several things informing its design it'll have everything that was successful about bloodborne it'll have everything that people have given very uh, vocal um... feedback about in terms of dark souls 2 which i think the main complaints were for um, some of its mechanics, including I think the healing gems, which people felt as though it took away some of the difficulty. Um, again, you can't do better than in your for your quote-unquote worst game of your series than for it to have been a game that did so well. I believe IGN gave it nine out of ten. Um, you know that's that's just unheard of, and uh, I think it's my very hope, that, uh, my deep hope actually, that From Software keeps their integrity. It uh, keeps this sort of level of quality and, and, and keeps their mystique and uh, even after you know far long long after Dark Souls Three definitely but um, no but that 's as pretty much the the core of what I wanted to talk about with the inspiration and inception uh, of of um, of Dark Souls Three that I think is relevant to this stage. You know, leading to release, where we're starting to the embers of the hype are just starting to um, sort of glow, and I, I know I keep referring to glowing embers, but the iconography of this game, the marketing is just—it's—it's it's infectious. Um, I think it's been really masterful so far, and um, and I'm really excited for what's basically coming ahead, and uh, um, I think. There was a recent interview I read where he didn't mention The Last Guardian specifically, but um, attack I think he just briefly touched on how he was inspired, I think, earlier on in Iko, uh, by Ico, for some of the aesthetics of, of Dark Souls. and In the research I've been doing uh, for this uh, three-part series, it obviously involved me sitting down and um, doing a bit of just... You know, extended video watching and I've been watching the Dark Souls uh, the movie, which I really hope all of you check out, I'll put the link to the description in the video. It's it's so beautiful, so poignant and and, the, and also to an extent I'd even say quite relaxing, you know, and because it's just the isolated HD footage, isolated HD dialogue that's just been arranged in this beautiful way and, and, and if you just almost just want background noise with these beautiful striking visuals it's I think it's it's beautiful and one of the one of the promises uh, and one of the things that I think was part of the inception of, uh, of Hidetaka uh, for Dark Souls 3 was to basically put as much of or if not more definitely it'll certainly be more considering it's going to be a newer game investment in the presentation of Dark Souls 3 than Bloodborne uh, even more so and, and I think he. You know, for being someone who, even with the the, the 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 time when Dark Souls, the original one in 2011, was released, it was definitely graphically impressive. But even you know, even now, as charming as the first uh, game was, and as generally striking with some of its lighting effects, I believe it was one of the best-looking games of its time. I'm not saying that it's starting to date, but this uh, when when compared with Bloodborne and the amount of you know what the PS4 can do. I am so excited to see what the PlayStation 4 is going to be able to do with the Dark Souls uh, world, and I'm sure that Hidetaka has that in his head, and the team is uh, really excited about that, because when a series, which again, not as bad as other franchises have been beaten down, but with Dark Souls 2, you can almost, pictures, you know, from software, like taking a bit of a blow to, you know, even again, that it was one of the highest rated failures blah if you want to put it that way or divisive games and what have you when a game series has taken has the level of professionalism and the level of craftsmanship and and mastery of their medium as, as from software and how seriously they take this feedback they are not Ubisoft they are not EA um, I really believe that with the fire that they have on top of what they've gained from Bloodborne what they've had confirmed to them, you know, the teams, uh, you know, from software about what works with that. What's also fueling Dark Souls 3 is going to be um, wanting to, you know, to, to step back up after that blow that they got. And when when a when a game production series or when anyone really is coming back from a step back, the the step forward is usually powerful. It's usually impactful, and it's it's done resolutely, and there's belief, and there's this, there's um there's assurance and confidence in that, and, and there's a the, the underdog feeling of wanting to just, you know, to top it, to move past what was at least perceived to be a step backwards. And I think Dark Souls 3 is going to be an enormous leap forward. I mean, the 16-minute gameplay trailer that has been released with the dancer of the Frigid Valley, with all of the things that have been said about the battle arts, um, and the new treatment uh, I think it's been kept quite under wraps. But with the story and the pluralization of the Lords of Cinder, which adds even more intrigue, which is what Dave Control got out of Hidetaka with an interview, it's possible that the the Red Knight is a Lord of Cinder himself. Um, the Twitter uh, screenshot that I showed you before of From's Twitter basically says that he is trying to escape a a cycle um, and I, of some kind, and, and I find that to be quite intriguing, you know, and uh, something that, again, I'll be exploring it in the next video. And the other thing that it surprised me as well when I was, you know, first discovering um, Dark Souls 3's um, release was that uh, when I looked further into, you know, who's actually working on it, and as well as discovering the detail about the uh, co-directing, um, I actually found out that, you know, apart from, again, there was the, the other team who was working at the same time uh, as Bloodborne, you know that they were probably communicating with each other that there is a possibility that there's a shared engine between the two uh, which really strongly seems to be the case there are even some enemies uh, that actually look uh, quite similar you know uh, in the way that they seem to like in the way that they'll seem to move for example there's a picture that I'm showing now which looks very much like um, Bloodborne's brick troll it's also got a very um, Bloodborne-esque uh, hound, you know, um, in the foreground, and this has led some people uh, to to be a little bit concerned. Uh, I I'll, I don't want to discuss just you know the you know just the excitement of um, um, you know leading up to Dark Souls three because there's there's there is a, a an aspect of um, uh, there's a component of the Dark Souls kind of community who they're just the slightest bit concerned that Dark Souls 3 is borrowing a little too much and coming a little too quickly uh, after um, Bloodborne and there have been some concerns about uh, annualization. Well, um, I can pretty much put those concerns to rest by saying that it's been confirmed in multiple outlets that Dark Souls 3 has been in development for a long time and you know that's backed up by vatvidya by dave control who actually played the game in person and um, whom i hope to uh um be able to visit some of the outlets and some of the uh, events that um that they were um, uh, invited to um it seems that because of those um, opportunities they're able to gain uh, tremendous insights uh, and and uh, enables them to provide a lot of great coverage which I'm, I'm looking forward to making my way towards and however long it'll take uh, it might even be I'm 35 before I'm able to go to one of the events um, but I I don't really mind it's it's again it's, I'm not in too much of a rush uh, but um, but yeah. Now, I wanted to tie off this first part, uh, you know, the Inception and Inspiration podcast uh, with, first of all, some uh, statements and also uh, a little bit of a thematic uh, quasi-question-and-answer um, sort of um, thing, because I would like to engage some of you who, um, who joined me with this channel uh, those months ago when Bloodborne Cape first came out. Now the statements, I, I covered a little bit of this in the first part of this podcast about how um, you know, the nature of Tweety Gamer and and how I launched the channel with these podcasts and that this is what gave me the views at first and uh, knowing, as I did at the time, that Bloodborne was going to be a, quite a highly searched term, uh, I wanted to make some statements about uh, how I, I'm very, very aware that Dark Souls 3 In its own way, even possibly in an even more cryptic way, uh, is is building its own little groundswell of intrigue, Uh, and um, as will be shown in the next episode, uh, which will um, mention the Green Knight. Sorry, the Red Knight. uh, You know, Freudian slip because that's also from um, Arthurian lore, which is something that we're going to talk about in the next episode. Um, Yeah, I've I've been aware that uh, these um, these these aspects of, of, of Dark Souls have, have been leaked out, uh, and I was obviously not, uh, didn't have my focus on when the original Dark Souls came out, but from reviewing some of the documentaries, uh, including the, I think it's just the generic making of Dark Souls the original, um, which is just a three-part video you can find fairly easily on YouTube, there was their core components, um, and this has been, again, covered by, uh, some of the other outlets here on YouTube and in podcasts, but basically like um, the bonfire side chat um, Bonfire side chat. Sorry about that definitely check those two out uh, And also um, if, if they're still doing stuff I highly recommend the Dark Souls 2 which hopefully will become the Dark Souls 3 uh, with them um, the arrival of Dark Souls 3 but basically um, the Lord of Cinder teaser the easter egg of that word and learning that there are multiple lords of cinder has i mean pretty much after recording this i'm going to be just jumping on the web and learning even more as much as i can about the lords of cinder and what this could possibly mean and, and what uh the doomsday scenario um could entail for uh, you know the world of dark souls 3 and um there's I believe a pretty obvious hint that I don't think we need to stray too much uh, from in terms of speculation, which is the fact that um, you know, Dark Souls Three, being a doomsday game, being this, uh, the feeling that something is radically shifting with the world. And again, it's not like the the original Dark Souls and Dark Souls Two felt uneventful or felt like you know, their central statement is this is what the world is. Uh, Uh, there was obviously the events of the Chosen Undead which had amazing and like very deep-running implications on the world and the lore of um, Dark Souls and I'm actually quite a big fan of the the fact that they're not gonna do a... I don't believe it's going to be a chronological uh, sequel um, in terms of you know in the style of you know conventional like for example Assassin's Creed 2 Compared to the original Assassin's Creed, uh, obviously had a narrative link where I believe it took a place uh, in the spoilers. The um, oh, you had a few years to play it. The modern day sections of Assassin's Creed, which you know, um, you know, they that that story continued, and but there was this jumping around of time, you know, at various different times of the Dark Souls universe, and I know that. Uh, lore, you know, Hidetaka there have been some incredible signs that I've been discovering in researching for these podcasts that Hidetaka uh, goes even even beyond what I thought he would in terms of the way that he names things and his, the purposefulness of his creations and, um, and how the man quite honestly he puts a, an, an untold and I believe Never to be told, amount of effort into his games. Um, a great example was, I think it's Pogos. I really hope I got his name right. I'll put a link to the descri- in the description to his video. But uh, it's, I think one of his ten things you didn't know about Bloodborne videos and um, his uh, revelation about Erden, uh, the Chapel of Erden, and uh, the Erdipal. Uh, Aspect, and I'll be posting some screenshots of his video there. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I'd like to consider him a very kindred peer of mine, and um, I'm happy to send people his way. I'll be putting links to all of the all of the most ideal uh, Dark Souls community coverage people in this description. Uh, again, whom people whom I'd humbly consider to be my peers. Um, that was something that just came as complete surprise, and those eyebrow-raising moments of recognizing how much effort and detail is being put into these games, especially Hidetaka when he is supervising and directing. Um, And one of the things that I'm I'm sure, as I mentioned uh, earlier, about how the team probably has this fire even more than Bloodborne, Uh, Because Bloodborne was, to a degree, disconnected from from Dark Souls and there was a different kind of fire fleet fueling it. It was the fire of, this is a new IP, we need to uh, sort of step out, and obviously there's going to be some addressing and some incidental patching up of what Dark Souls 2, you know, the the reception that it got, and that it'll help smooth that over just by confirming, look, this is the same team, we haven't lost our touch, you know. There was that was more peripheral to the fact that they were motivated uh, in their efforts by wanting to firmly and confidently establish a new IP. Um, Whereas with Dark Souls 3, the motivation is absolutely coming from um, wanting to basically make the best Dark Souls ever, the one that it combines everything, the learned lessons, the the success, the you know the analytics probably of the bloodborne campaign through the bloodborne uh marketing campaign and the everything that was to do with revealing details of that game went so well and i'm sure that data uh, is there for for, from software and for you know execs to um, focus their um you know build basically to build upon with dark souls 3 and i would not Put it past them to basically go through now that we have so we actually have some insight into how the marketing of Dark Souls 3 is going to play out with um, I believe the nightmare collection for example oh, sorry the nightmare um, edition of Bloodborne was re- revealed um, not not that far after uh, its um, actual reveal in 2014 um, I I believe like I personally believe uh, or was it 2013 I remember, I think it was revealed at the same time as The Order. I'll check that out. But um, there was a steady trickle and the releases of the information via the um, PlayStation Blog were also uh, incredible. I don't know obviously if the PlayStation Blog is going to be releasing details uh, of Dark Souls 3 in the same way because it's not a PlayStation exclusive, which I'm sure Xbox One owners are you know, happy about but um, I'm sure that something along those lines, probably centering around the Facebook and the Twitter of, uh, and also the official site of, you know, Namkai, um, Na- here you go, not Nando's, Namkai Bando Bandai, I believe that they, uh, with their official outlets, I made it, I actually managed to pronounce it. Um, it's late. Um, I, I'm absolutely sure that they're going to be putting together something similar, and without a doubt, I—if not the first little roll of the snowball, the reveal about the the Red Knight and his his or her journey towards breaking the cycle—it's just those two little droplets, those two little those two little grains of story have already like completely, like, stoked my fire of interest in this. Now, Bloodborne in many ways could be said to have been the explosion of Hidataka's creativity in terms of weirdness, in terms of, gosh, I'm thinking about things like the doll uh, that was revealed, you know, at one point, um, the hunter's dream, you know, there's... there's here at this stage at least we're hearing about what will be included and what will be revealed instead of what is being what is you know we're going to actually physically see like uh you know professional uh a a role um gameplay footage not just b-roll stuff and um, that we're going to be able to see and better screenshots and everything but to tie off basically this this podcast with my own personal impressions, because I've just been covering what I can surmise, and I'm being objectively as possible, uh, and what I've been able to glean, you know, as, I, as I've mentioned, with the sources that I have, uh, you know, found. And again, just generally relying on the merits of these shows as exploratory, as uh, you know. basically discussion pieces that can kind of set your imagination alight and just have you thinking and wondering and pondering about how Dark Souls 3 is going to take shape. My personal uh, interpretation and my personal anticipation and and investment in Dark Souls 3 based on what's been revealed so far, which now we're in September, so we have two trailers, the cinematic and the gameplay trailer, and I would say around about 20 to 30 screenshots and 10 or 15 works of concept art probably a bit less than that look i as excited as i am i i again i'm not going to give from a free pass and i do i expect would i expect them to give one to me for their game at this stage um i don't i'm not saying that bloodborne kind of the that process kind of revealed any ugly secrets i mean one thing completely unrelated to the quality of the game was just the exposure that it got it actually impacted me playing it because of some of the spoilers that were leaking out i think ign as wonderful as they are and as comprehensive as they are they were leaking names they were leaking you know this is shortly after its release you know ign do the full gamut you can't visit ign without seeing you know allusions to the hidden village and uh, the cleric beast and all of these names spilling and one of the best things about From Games is their secrecy and finding out the information for yourself. So personally, I'm it's it's a it's a double-edged thing. I I want to find out more. I need to find out more. This it, it hasn't sold me completely yet. I think in the next few weeks that will be absolutely solved. I believe there's going to be a big information. Uh, reveal shortly. I think on the 13th, either probably today. Something I had heard on a forum. I'll try and find a screenshot for that information. But um, definitely at uh, Tokyo Game Show, where a bunch of things are going to get revelations. Um, you know, including Final Fantasy 15 and, and other things that Tweety Game is going to cover. But that's that's absolutely true. I actually I I did do a double take when Dark Souls 3 was announced and it was a little bit negatively affected by the fact that the no and again not dissing those guys it's just that i think they were connected this is objectively speaking prior to their reveal of dark souls 3 they were connected to some reveals that were ended up being false for another game and um when i first saw you know the information trickle out it was through this outlet of leak and i kind of had a bit of ptsd about that and uh um and that's one side of the sword. The other side of the sword is that I cannot wait to, to learn more and to also see the game progress visually. Um, Bloodborne was and is... It's just heart-arrestingly gorgeous. It, just, it it makes it basically makes you pay attention just with how much visual intricacy and visual detailing they put into it. Any time I'm seeing Bloodborne footage, it's, it's weird. I have this weird moment of just wanting to sit and out of respect of those artists who worked on adding all of those details. The brambles, the puddles, the tiny little pieces of swaying, like grass, the cobwebs, the dynamics, the smoke, you know. I I will say, at this stage, Bloodborne is the better-looking game uh, between uh, Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne. I would have to say, concede that. Um, I'm obviously evaluating it based on some objectives and some universal things, which is that Bloodborne had there was a aspect to its visual design that allowed for more variation uh, and kind of complete like H.P. Lovecraftian weirdness and look it it is a genre piece Bloodborne it is cosmic horror gothic horror and cosmic horror and um, uh, and there's a horror aspect undeniably with, with Bloodborne But with dark souls and this is something that i'm going to slowly be adjusting to is dark souls is not primarily a horror it's primarily a very very dark and often quite creepy and like almost like terrifying dark fantasy so uh, dark fantasy horror could be a vague term that could be used to uh, describe dark souls 3 and just dark souls in general but with the trailer which i'll be showing some screenshots of here with the what is what is um, speculated to be the Lord of Cinder rising from his grade, grave. Um, you know his face; it just his face completely reminds me of that. Uh, if any of you remember the old Muppets um, film, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, it reminds me of the Ghost of Christmas Future, which terrified me as a child. And um, look, I, Bloodborne. One of the reasons I stepped away from Bloodborne because I did. I stepped away and please don't judge me but I stepped away after Father Gascoigne um was a combination of the spoilers and it was just physically (laughs) difficult for me to play it because it was just I, I would play at night with my headphones and you know this this community of souls content makers they're a happy bunch they're a pensive bunch they're also quite animated especially with Lobos making his fluoro characters for his playthroughs and Dave Control doing his funny skits but if you stripped all of that away and actually assessed in terms of cinematography, in terms of sound design and composition and, and just the general everythingness of these games, um, you know, the Dark Souls in particular, they, you know, if, if it's just stripped down to a person playing it with headphones at night and just being fully immersed into the world without thinking of the Sunbro thing or the um, the Dark Souls like, parody cartoons... Uh, it's actually when you just strip it down and it's just you some headphones nighttime and the game it's oh my gosh it's it was, it's terrifying it was it was terrifying for me uh, especially for example the moment for me with, with bloodborne when i realized this is this is straight up scary shit you know was when i um you know there's that grove of barrels i'll show a screenshot here uh where you basically discover the underwater passages and just the shift in sound design, you know, from going from up in the surface where there's, you know, noises of wind and, and howling beasts when you just go and everything, the air closes in around you and the walls close in around you and you start hearing just sloshes in the water and beasts, you know, the low moaning of beasts and then shifting bodies in the darkness. It's something that, uh, gosh, I think that with the trailer, it's been pretty. It's. It's. There's in no small measure, it's been alluded to the fact that Dark Souls 3 will be taking some of Bloodborne's horror aspects to the next level. Um, the Dancer of the Frigid Valley, compared to. And I'm just going to talk about her for a little bit. Dancer of the Frigid Valley, who is so far my favorite design, along with this boss here, I'm going to call him the unnamed bestial mace wielding guy. So. Mace Boss. These two have my interest piqued the most. Uh, I remember the one that did it for me with Dark Souls was the um, Cleric Beast, with his enormous bust that was made, the physical one for the for the for the conventions, and the, with his like shagginess and the speculation. My my head just exploded with speculation about his his character design and what it meant, and from a lore point of view. Again, with that guarantee that Hidetaka Miyazaki does these things purposefully and and there is a reason why, for example, with the Dancer of the Frigid Valley that she is wearing that crown from the trailer. What could it mean that she is wearing that crown? Again, I this is all too rare with, with game coverage. Um and also with a franchise because with some of the weirdness, say for example with Metal Gear Solid 5, there is that acknowledgement of what does that mean? This is weird, but they also are f- four plus games preceding it, which have proven as brilliant as, as as Hideo Kojima is. That sometimes stuff is just weird in in Metal Gear, and often after you even after you've discovered it, it's something like ends up being a vision, or um, you know nano machines, or just just the general weirdness. Now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have sufficient evidence on both. For both camps uh, of you know, Metal Gear and Dark Souls to basically compare their respective weirdnesses, I think that they each have their own flavor and their own purpose. But one thing I know for sure with From Software's games in terms of their quote-unquote weirdness is that it always leads to something like, like the presence of the crown or you know the, the cleric beast's left arm being stupidly extended because of how it's proximity to the heart and how it would have meant that the scourge of the beast spread fastest to the left arm and that's why it's longer. These details, I can't help but just feel fully qualified and fully permitted to start wildly speculating about who this dancer of the Frigid Valley is. It's something that I was on a flight recently, a 10 plus hour flight, and the, you know, the content of, um, It was a holiday with my girlfriend. Um, The content of some of the uh, videos that were available, like, you know, the in-flight entertainment, it it wasn't intriguing me that much. And and I, I kid you not, I spent, in this area, you know, this this environment of having no internet, I spent a good three to four hours, without even noticing, putting together my own thoughts about The Dancer of the Frigid Valley, about uh, the mace-wielding beast, in armor, um, the worshippers. Other details from the Dark Souls Three coverage, or the Dark Souls Three released uh, content so far, just based off of nomenclature. I mean, the Wall of Loduleth. You know, I've, I've also been simultaneously investigating all. The, you know, my original favorite. Uh, you know, just what what sort of began my interest in the genre in the first place, and uh, never-ending Story, with some of its nomenclature like the. Swamp of Sorrows, you know, um, Swamps of Sadness, rather. From Software has the best nomenclature, the most intriguing, like, imagination sparking nomenclature in any game. Anything that, you know, the Emerald Herald, the Artorias of the Abyss, there's this care and love that's been put into these um the naming of, of characters and not only that it's not just for nothing that's the thing there's a reason for it and i cannot wait to discover those reasons with the dancer of the frigid valley i want to know what the frigid valley is why she's called the dancer and why her dual blades is one is flame and the other is smoke I could absolutely include a little bit of speculation in this even early on. I believe I did the same thing with the cleric beast and some of my predictions I'm very happy to say ended up being right, with the cleric beast obviously being a member of the healing church and how their bestialness, the the extent to their transformation, was proportionate to, you know, their role, um in, in, in their closeness to the blood and, and how, how much access they would have had to it, and the guilt and everything respo- related to the fact that you know these leaders of the church were responsible for so many people's sorrows and pain, and, and that that form of permanent body transformation as punishment was was confirmed to me in many ways uh, when I eventually got round to playing Bloodborne and seeing the content. But with the Dancer of the Frigid Valley, my main speculation with her. With her twin blades, with fire in on in one hand and ash in the other, is that there's going to be an element of sadness to her, an element of poignancy with her spectral cloak, you know, the smoke, the smoky cloak, which would allude to possibly um, faded glory or faded loyalties, and uh, and the facelessness, something that's been has robbed from her, you know, um, sucked from her life, you know, uh, it's and and. You know some of the things with Dark Souls that I have yet. I'm still an early scholar of the Dark Souls world, and you know I'm just becoming familiar with the lore of the giants and and to find out whether she's of some form of giant. You know that's that's yet to be confirmed from from me in my um, investigations, which will continue after this podcast and um, and with what's been released. I'm probably the person the the creature I'm, I'm most intrigued by uh, right after the Red Knight. Those two could be the um, you know bloodborne's hunter there's no other word in promotional materials that they gave to that main hunter with the tricon hat, so the hunter and the cleric beast um, their analogous equivalents in Dark Souls Three are the red Knight and the dancer of the frigid Valley so far simply because she was the first revealed boss. if they reveal a dancer of the frigid valley gigantic display with her lurching over in that voldo just completely creepy style of movement it's 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 been one of the like again it's it's something that even on a long flight i'm 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 thinking about just that mic drop of of lore possibility that from are known for i hope they never change with that i really don't um speaking of the theme of never changing always with these tweety casts um there is a possibility that they will be one-offs but i'm going to be sticking to the three-part format which uh, I believe resonated with the initial community and with the one that I hope to build on with Treaty uh, Gamer and I make a commitment always to make these videos at least one hour long because there is no excuse with this material with the amount of effort that's been put into it by the team um, I don't take any aspect of their game development efforts for granted and there is always going to be something to earnestly discuss and to invest uh, speculation in. And um, the one hour promise (laughs) for these videos is is something that I'm making. It's what I'd be making. It's what I'd want myself to be making if I was a listener of Tweedy Gamer as someone um, who puts on podcasts at work and and just wants to space out to some conversation about something I'm looking forward to. And, um, you know, this, these new Tweety cast that I'll be releasing uh, about Dark Souls 3 will be no different. So, um, a few things that I'll just update you with, with the last sort of two minutes and a half of this uh, this this podcast, or this Tweety cast, is the possibility that I'll be getting Brendan to join me with some uh, another genre. I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep the Tweety casts possibly just with myself in, in these kind of free flowing, intimate. Um, contents you know um again just the equivalent of speaking with me about it even though it can kind of feel a bit insane on the other end just talking to no one uh just just straight from my heart of about what this stuff uh, is 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 going to take shape and and my my own relationship with it and sharing that with you which i'm so grateful for the comments that i get uh um, and i'm looking forward to hopefully receiving more if that's if that's something that ends up happening after this video um Brendan from So Keen For It, I'm going to be looking at possibly getting him on board for the Battlefront Tweedy casts, which, um, you know, there's going to be a build-up towards Star Wars, which um, is going to feature content on this channel, let's just put it that way, and that's putting it lightly, greatly anticipating that game, and um, you can look forward to that, so um, there has been a tradition with me uh, of basically dropping, just for those who listen to this show, dropping little hints. Of, uh, of what's to come, so I hope you've enjoyed that as well. But basically, yeah, this has been episode 4 of, of Tweedy Gamer, and please like, share, and subscribe, and um, thank you so much, all of you. Bye!